podcast fastest hour of the week we're glad to have all of you here tonight i'm uh we're one short tonight me and josh is in the studio but uh dad's playing hooky on us tonight but he'll be back with us next week but we're going to continue in the book of revelations tonight we're going to cover two chapters we'll be what uh going over uh chapter 15 and 16 and I'm going to start this off like I do every week. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 talks about blessed is he that readeth. And we understand that as we take this hour together to study and read the book of Revelations, we may not understand everything that we read, uh, and we'll try to help you understand as much as we can. But irregardless, the word of God is true. And Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 states that blessed is he that readeth. So we believe that we'll be blessed in reading this and in our time together as we look into the word of God, into the awesome book of Revelations. You know, most people, I heard somebody again this week, oh, that mysterious book, that mysterious book, that's a scary book, that's a dreadful book. No. It's not. It's an awesome book. It's a great book. It tells us that we win. And if you look at what we're living in now, the day we're living in, how things are transpiring with our governments, with our uh, banking systems, with uh, all kinds of things, and even with people, we're beginning to see parts of the book of Revelation revealed right before our eyes, and it lets us know that Jesus can soon come to take the church home. And that is going to be an awesome time. But anyway, starting in chapter 15, Revelation chapter 15, I'm going to go ahead and read the 15th chapter, and then we'll begin to study it just a little bit. But starting with verse 1, it says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. You shall not fear, or who shall fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. And after these things I looked up, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues clothed pure in pure bright linen and having their chest girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from the power or his power and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now, what we understand here is that there's, you know, we went through in previous chapters and there's judgments going on during the tribulation period. And uh, now we're, we, we've made it past the, the mid, middle of the tribulation and we're on the, what we call uh, the last month. Uh, what would be probably the last month of the tribulation, the end of the seven-year period. And there's seven bold judgments. Now, these bold judgments uh, or plagues, these are in direct 
correlation with the wrath of God. These are not going to be on uh, Christians, or there's not really going to be any Christians left at that time. There'll be a few. Uh, but, you know, we had talked earlier uh, in earlier uh, podcasts that there'll always be a natural race of people, irregardless, uh, not everyone will accept the uh, that's left after the rapture, you know, humanity's still here, we're, the world's still going on, there's so much chaos, but there'll be people that will give their life to Christ during that time, there'll be people that'll be martyred for Christ's sake during that time, but at the middle of the tribulation, when the Antichrist breaks the peace treaty with uh, with the nation of Israel, um, he he begins to implement. We talked about the beast, which is the Antichrist system. It's the technology, those things. But he will begin to implement the the worship of the beast, the Antichrist system. And it, we talked about last week where you have to receive a mark either in your forehead or in your hand, and that's giving allegiance to the beast and worship to the beast. But not everyone will do that, even though that will be the only way that you'll be able to buy and sell. You still have to understand that the most of this is only affecting the European Mediterranean, Mediterranean area. Uh, yeah, it's going to affect the whole world because of commerce, trade, uh, goods being made, you know, import, export from different countries. It's going to affect everybody, and governments will, you know, be in uh, upheaval trying to figure out how to govern, what to do, what to say to, to calm people down, to, to bring a sense of peace. But not every person will take the mark of the beast, and even as, you know, bad as it gets that the the human person just just in nature uh we have a will to survive uh you know irregardless of what's going on when when you ever when you see calamity uh just like when uh you know 9-11 happened or when we see catastrophes happen people pull together and find a will to survive they find a way to survive so not everyone will take the mark of the beast. But what you will see is that the last, the, the seven bold judgments that are coming, these will mainly pertain to the people that have denied Christ, that have rejected him, his sayings, his teachings, and have accepted the mark of the beast. And with chapter 15, it's really Chapter 15 is a prelude or an introduction to chapter 16, which it goes into detail what each plague or each vial is. And what I, I, I noticed, the first thing I, I, I took notice of in verse 1, John says, I saw another sign in heaven. And you, you notice that we've been talking about different chapters are informational, and sometimes it's talking about the church, sometimes it's talking about Israel as a specific people. It's talking about a natural race of people. And then sometimes John is on the earth. Sometimes John is in heaven and he's seeing these different things transpire, but he's seeing what he's seeing in heaven is the angels are being prepped and getting ready to release these judgments upon the earth. And then in verse two, he says that I saw something like a sea of glass. Now, if you go back, I believe, to Revelations chapter 8, John talks about seeing a multitude as a sea of glass, and we know that that is representation. It's the crystal sea. It's representation of the church. And, but here he gives it a little different interpretation. He sees it in a different light. And in verse 2 he said, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. Now, when you look back in the uh, Bible, if you go back into Acts chapter 2, you, you're familiar with this. This is the church getting started. It's the initial uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit. But it said that they were cloven tongues set on them as a fire. Fire is a, a symbol, a representation of the Holy Spirit. So we see here 
that when it's talking about a sea of glass mingled with fire, that it's talking about the church, which has been raptured. We're in heaven, but we're, we're, we're still endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, to me, just reading that, it just is encouraging to know that, that even in heaven, that we're still going to have the fire of the Holy Ghost down on the inside of us. So that ought to make you want to shout just a little bit. But when you realize that, you know, we're in heaven and, and we're at the throne, we're worshiping, while we're doing this, there's still things going on in the earth and things going on in heaven that have to transpire. And all of this is leading up. It's, it's, we're coming up to the, the culmination of all these different events and judgments before the enemy tries to rage his last war against uh, Jesus, which we know that, that it doesn't last, but we, we can see that we're right here at the end. And when you look in here at verses 3 and 4 where, where they're singing this song, these are the ones I'm not sure, you know, if it's mid-tribulation or maybe right before this last month, but there'll be a what we call a second rapture uh, of tribu you know tribulation saints the 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 hundred forty four thousand those that have been preaching these will be raptured up into heaven and this is the song that they'll be singing and this is another thing and I guess because I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm a big big worshipper I I love to worship. Um, because I understand the importance of it. But while all these things are going on, there is constant worship going on in heaven. When we get to heaven and we see God for who he truly is, all we can do is worship. You know, that's why I, I kind of I, I get frustrated sometimes when I, I you know, people seem to want to sleep or slumber during worship. And it's like, when you truly understand who God is, how awesome he is, how good he's been to us and what he wants to give to us, you need to worship. Worship can change things. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be changed. And then when we come to the realization of the true completed work of the cross, that Jesus, what he did on the cross, and we see the glory of God, the unfiltered glory of God in heaven. All we're going to do is worship. But that was my little side note there. I just I, I can't uh, help but get off and get a little excited when we get to talking about worship. But but these people in, in verses 3 and 4, like I say, they'll be raptured sometime during the tribulation. Don't know exactly, like I say, if it's mid-tribulation or more towards the end, maybe right here at the last month, maybe when the, the two uh, witnesses are raptured. But this is what it's talking about there. And then verses 5 through 8, what it's talking about here is verses 5 through 8, what John saw is these seven angels, they uh, go before God to receive the, uh, the last plagues because it talks about it you know, that they, that it, their bowls are filled or their, their vials are filled with the wrath of God. So verses five through eight, we realize that, that the angels, while the worship is going on, the angels are going before God and God himself is filling these golden bowls. I think in verse uh, seven, it says, then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever. And, you know, that's where I, 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 people don't understand that, you know, what the wrath of God is. We, we have never seen the wrath of God. But coming here in this last uh, judgment that's coming upon the earth against the Antichrist and against those that have went with him and followed him, this is God's wrath. He is focused on the enemy, and he is saying, enough is enough. You have tormented my people from the beginning of time, from the beginning of Genesis, all the way up until here in Revelations. You have tormented people. You've caused pain and suffering. You've caused people to, 
to go astray from my word, and I've had enough. And he is putting this wrath out. And then when you go on, we're going to go ahead and read the whole chapter of verse or chapter 16, and then we're going to go back and talk about it. And starting with verse 1 in chapter 16, John said, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of wrath and of God onto the earth. The first bowl was loathsome, so, that's hard to say for me, but anyway, bad source. We'll go with that one. So the first went out and poured his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the river and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and the water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world and gathered them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bow into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the three cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. A great hell from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of hell, since the plague was exceedingly great. Now, I don't know about you, but just... Reading that little bit right there, I'm, I'm making sure I'm on the first bus load out of here. I don't want to have anything to do with this. These, these plagues are uh, tremendously worse. I mean, as bad as the plagues that are going on during the whole tribulation, these are, like I said earlier, the, the unfiltered wrath of God against Satan and against those who have followed Satan. And... When you look at, at the first bowl that is poured out, uh, when you study that out, it, uh, a lot of you will probably know uh, what a bull is that would come up on your body and how painful those are, and they get infected and they have heat in them and they're sore. These will come upon those that have taken the mark of the beast, that have 
you know, bowed and worshiped the Antichrist and have rejected Jesus. And it says it'll be extremely painful. It will have infection and fever. Now, this is going on, and, and they cannot find any, any relief from these things. And, you know, when this becomes, uh, uh, in, when this comes to fruition, when it begins to happen, sometimes you would think, and you'll notice through the next few bowls, that surely, I mean, with all these things happening, surely these people would say, you know what, uh, God's doing it. I, I need to get right with God. I don't want this to happen. But it says, even though all these things happen, these people do not bow down to worship God, but yet they, they raise their fist towards heaven and they curse God. Uh, so I believe that most of these people at this point, uh, you know, they, they, they don't see what is really going on and they've given their lives fully over to Satan. And then the second bowl is where he talks about he turns the seas into blood. And you say, well, yeah, but didn't that happen in earlier chapters? Yeah, in chapter 8, one of the angels turns a third, only one-third of the seas, into blood, and then they don't change. Sometimes I think people think, well, when they put that plague on the earth, it only lasts for, uh, you know, a little bit of time, and then the, the seas clear up. No, the seas, a third of the seas, when they change to blood in chapter 8, they never change back. If they would have, the Bible would have said so. But then when you go here to chapter 16 and you look, now this angel pours out his bowl and the other two-thirds of the seas turn into blood. Now, I don't believe, me personally, uh, like I said at the beginning, most of this happens in the, the European Mediterranean area. Um, I don't believe that this will affect the oceans. I believe this affects the seas. You know, so you have a lot of seas that surround those areas, and I believe it, it more so will affect those areas. But it said in verse 3 that the, uh, the water in the sea would become as the blood of a dead man. Now, I don't know if, you know, uh, if you have thought about that, but when a, a, a person dies uh, and there's no oxygen left in the blood, it, it coagulates, it gets thick to the point because there's no oxygen in it. So that's what it's literally going to do to the waters in the sea so that everything in those seas will die. I mean, if there's ships on the, the seas, they'll sink because it's just a thick uh, blood-type substance, you know, because they're turning those seas into blood. And it, you know, it plainly says that at every living creature in the sea died. So even seeing that people still, uh, they're cursing God. They don't want to have nothing to do with him. And these, uh, these seven bowls that are happening, uh, when I was doing some research and studying this, these happen, the reason we say that we believe this is the last month of the tribulation is if you go back into Exodus chapter 7 and you begin to look, I believe through 10, and you begin to look at the, the plagues that come upon uh, Egypt when uh, Moses was getting Pharaoh to let the people go, um, it lasted for the span of about a month. And I think that was 10 plagues. These are only seven, but it... It's a type in the shadow, just like what happened in Egypt is happening in the tribulation period. Uh, it, you know, it, they, they go together. They kind of parallel each other. But then the third bowl is after the seas have been turned red, that an angel pours out his wrath, and the rivers, notice in earlier chapters, that uh, angel had turned a third of the fresh water uh, into blood. Now the rest of the fresh water in that area will be turned into blood, and it's blood, and it causes those things to die. And what you have to realize here is now they have no way to have water. They have no way to, to drink. They have no way to cook, to do anything, because everything there 
I believe even if you turn on a faucet, uh, that water would run as blood. I believe that their reservoirs where they hold water would turn into blood because it's, he's turning it all as judgment towards the people that have refused to accept Jesus as the Messiah. And you can just imagine if these people with these bulls on them and, you know, uh, seeing all these things happen and they're in pain, not to mention all the things that had happened before when it talked about the plagues that would go on where they had the locust and they, you know, with tails of scorpions, they would sting people. And it began to talk about men would seek death and cry out for death, but death would not be found. These people still dealing with that. And then on top of that, now comes this. And I don't know about you, but it, sometimes when I don't feel good, if I'm just getting some, some good, a good hot shower, it'll make me feel better. They can't get that. They can't get any relief because everywhere they turn to get relief, God has judged that area and he has put a curse on it. So it is going to be a very, very dark time, uh, you know, especially for those that, that don't believe in God. And then he goes on and on the uh, fifth uh, plague, when we're talking about the fifth bowl, or no, the fourth bowl, excuse me, I was going to skip one. It says that an angel poured out the bowl on the sun. And what it's talking about here is that on the fourth bowl that he's going to cause the sun to give people severe burns, that he would be able to burn them with fire. And it's going to cause severe dehydration and sunburn. Well, yes, dehydration is going to happen because if they intensify the heat of the sun, what does heat make you? It makes you thirsty. Well, you can't get water because everywhere around has been turned to blood. You can't drink it. So they're going to be suffering from dehydration. So, you know, it's, it's definitely not working in the, the favor of the Antichrist but yet he's still moving on to try to take Jesus out. And now if you look in the fifth bowl, it says, you know, here that, um, uh, let me find it right quick. It says that all the kingdoms become full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of pain. Again, I believe you're only going to see the severe darkness only in that European Mediterranean area where the Antichrist has set up his throne and the kingdoms in that area are, are supporting him. I believe that's where you're going to see this. But can you imagine going from the sun burning you to now it's pitch dark? And, you, you know, when you say, well, how do you know how dark it's going to be? Well, Remember when I was talking about when you look at these plagues and you look at the bowls that are poured out, you, you can go back into Exodus chapter 7, and it talks about how that there was a darkness that covered them there that was thick, that you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. That's the same kind of darkness that's going to cover here and that men are going to be in so much pain and so much anguish that they'll actually be chewing on their tongues. And, you know, I've, I've uh, been, you know, in the fire service. I was a, a fireman and first responder for 20, over 20 years. And working with people in accidents and different things like that, I've seen people in pain before to the point that they would literally bite on their tongue till it would cause it to bleed because they're in so much pain and anguish. And that's something that's going to be going on here. And it says in verse 11 that irregardless, they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. And you see, even at this point, I believe God's mercy, I believe he's still saying, if you'll repent, if you'll Ask for forgiveness of your sins. If you'll acknowledge me as your Lord and Savior, I'll, I'll take you out of this pain and this anguish. But it says that irregardless, that that did not happen. Now, going on to the sixth bowl, it says that that angel poured out his wrath and the great river Euphrates was dried up. Now, 
this, when you look at this, the great river Euphrates, with it drying up, what it's doing is it's setting the stage for the army from the Orient. It's uh, I, I, it's two, I think a two million man army. It's the largest army the world has ever seen is marching towards the battle of Armageddon. They're being led right into that valley. And at this point, um, Satan or the Antichrist, he's going around to everybody. I mean, he's going to every man, every army, every nation, and he's trying to get every army he can to come together, to culminate together in this area for his last-ditch effort to take out Jesus. So the battle is going to happen here, so we know that we're definitely, by looking at the sixth bowl, that we're, we're moving in not only the last month, but we're maybe possibly even in the last week to few days as the river dries up completely because that's how that army from the Orient or from the East is able to cross over and go to the, uh, the place called Armageddon. So you can just see God beginning to, to you know, it's, 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 he's, he's setting everything up. To, and it, it's almost a little, it's a little humorous, especially for us because we're not going to be here. And also it's awesome to think how, how intelligent God is that everything that the enemy thinks he's doing to destroy Christ, to destroy the finished work of the cross and to get everybody to turn away and for him to establish his kingdom Satan thinks all this is working together, but all it is is God is leading them by his mighty hand right where he wants them, whether they realize that or not. And then when you look at that, you know, Armageddon, a lot of people are talking about, oh, Armageddon, Armageddon. You know, it's just a place where God or Jesus himself is going to finish Satan once and for all. And he's going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And, you know, Satan is going around at this time, and I, I don't know how many armies he'll get, you know, but uh, he, he, like I said just a few minutes ago, he is at his last-ditch effort. And, you know, when, when people get desperate, when you see things begin to happen and, and somebody feels like they're losing their control or their hold on something, they begin to get desperate. And they, when you get desperate, sometimes you make mistakes. And so the enemy is just lit, just falling for what God is setting up to lead them right in to this place of Armageddon, which, you know, we talked about in chapter 14, that when this army uh, it converges into the Armageddon, into this uh, valley here of Megiddo, that in an instant, you know, it's going to be over. And that, you know, how deep the blood would, would flow. And uh, I think I said it wrong the other week, but it's, it's 20, I think 20 feet across or something along those lines. And it's uh, uh, going to be about four or five foot deep or height. And it's over 170 to 180 miles long that it will flow with the blood of those that have come against God and his people. So, you know, it, it's going to be a very uh, gruesome scene, but at the same time, it's going to be holy because it's God once and for all paying the devil back for what he's done to his people during this time, From like I said, from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelations. And then what I like about this, you know, is he says that, you know, that the river Euphrates is dried up. That's happened. And then the seventh angel pours out a bowl into the air. And he says with a loud voice, it is done. But then it says that a great hell fall, fell from heaven. It said that each hailstone was about the weight of a talent. I went and looked up the weight of a talent is 120 pounds. So can you imagine, I mean, you've been in hell storm. I've been in hell storms before that, uh, you know, I've seen some hell that's fairly large. Uh, I've seen some about golf ball size or 
uh, baseball size that will just destroy an area, make it look like a war zone. Uh, you know, I've seen it knock holes in the ground and fall through roofs, windshields, cars. You imagine that every hailstone that falls has the weight of 120 pounds. It's going to do a lot of devastation to the earth. And he says, too, that there'll be a great earthquake, one that the earth since man has never seen. And it talks about the islands will flee and the mountains will fall. There's going to be such a great shaking because of God's wrath that I, I believe specifically in that area, especially, it could be the whole earth, but in that area, even the mountains will fall and disappear and the islands and places in that area will completely disappear because of the shaking. But I, I, I've read one commentary where they believe that, uh, and this is not, you know, this is just, uh, what would you say, uh, opinion. This is not, oh, this is Bible exactly. But a lot of people believe that if you know a little bit about uh, our planet, that we set on an axis, that we're, we're tilted just a little bit. And a lot of, of scholars believe that when Satan fell, because Jesus said that I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven, and that when he fell and hit the earth, that that's what caused the earth to go on, a, I think it's about a quarter of a degree axis. But that when this great hailstorm comes at the end here of the tribulation, that this hailstorm and this shaking will cause the earth to set right back right to its original position so it won't be on a, a, a leaned axis. It'll be setting straight up and down. But irregardless, I believe God knows what he's doing, and we'll just trust him, and, and on top of that, we're not going to be here. Hallelujah. <laughs> but what you understand here is that God's power and might and even with all these things happening, God is so awesome and powerful that these plagues, the hell that falls, all these things that happen here in, in chapter 16, it's not going to affect the, the people that are still on the earth that have not accepted Jesus but has also not accepted the mark. As we've talked about before, there's always going to be a natural race of people on the earth, and you'll see that as we go on in uh, next week and the next few chapters, you'll begin to see that there's a natural race of people. When Jesus comes back and the angel shouts, it is done, before the Antichrist and his armies even get fired up and before they can fire a shot, before they can do anything, Jesus is going to do what Jesus does and his wrath, God's wrath will be poured out on that whole army in that valley of, in the battle of Armageddon. They'll be destroyed and Jesus will establish his kingdom here on earth. It's taking us back. Like I've said in previous podcasts to the original intent We're, we'll be taken back to what it would have been like during the days of Adam and Eve uh, being ruled by by God and his authority, there'll be no, uh, you know, different authorities during that time. The chief rule will be Jesus Christ. But they'll, we're, we're at the end of this battle, we're being set up for a thousand-year reign with Jesus Christ. And, you know, how exciting that's going to be uh, to be able to come back and help rule and reign with Jesus Christ on the earth. And, you know, don't know what the earth is going to look like because I believe that if you have an earthquake that shakes the earth that causes mountains to fall and islands to disappear and it says that the earth is shaking like no man has ever seen before, things are not going to be like they seem or like they were when we left. Those of us that are Christians, things will be different. But hallelujah, how exciting it's going to be to come back and be able to rule and reign with Jesus Christ, knowing that Satan has been defeated. 
and that his power on the earth and his power towards the people is no longer going to be available to him because he is bound and he is uh, put into the lake of fire and he's not going to return for a thousand years. And some people, I think sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend what eternity is, you know, and uh, we're, we're looking, you know, at the average person now we live, you know, if we live 80 years to a hundred years old, that's a, that's a major feat. Uh, but we're talking about a thousand year reign with Christ. And that's before the new heaven and the new earth, when we're going to go on into the eons of time and eternity living with Jesus and God, our father. I mean, it, it, it's just mind boggling. And it makes you think, I think dad talked about this on a few podcasts ago about the, uh, it's one of the lines in the song, amazing grace, where it says, when we've been there 10,000 years, it will just be getting started. Of, of understanding who God is, being able to worship him and, and rule and reign with him. It's going to be such a marvelous time, but these other things have to happen. And, you know, when we look at chapter 16, we look at these, these final bold judgments being poured out. It's the final blows that, that God puts against the Antichrist and his system. And, you know, it's, it's letting people and and that is, like I said earlier, uh, and I'm not trying to repeat myself, but, you know, begin to think about all of these things happened and how bad and tragic they are, but yet people will still raise their fist to heaven and it says they'll blaspheme God and curse him. You know, I, I, I think most of us, you know, when something bad happens, we don't curse God a lot. We run to him. Usually that's what gets a lot of us back in line, and it's not that God did it. It's that the enemy is, is trying to attack our life. And, you know, I think a lot of people get that mixed up even today when we've got a whole group of Christians that believe that, uh, you know, that God, you know, where God laid me flat on my back with a heart attack so he could get my attention. No, God don't work that way. God, God looks at his people at the people on the earth, his creation through a lens of mercy, through a lens of grace that was afforded us by the shed blood of Jesus. That's how he looks at us. And what we see with sickness and disease and the devastation and destruction that we're experiencing, that's because of sin. When sin entered the earth, you know, the Bible talks about the wages of sin is death. So when we see all these things happening here on earth, that's not God's wrath. That's not God's judgment. You can see what God's wrath and his judgment is. It, it's, it's worse. But what the enemy's trying to do is get us even now. And there's people that do that. Uh, I know of a story of a man that his, his child uh, died tragically. And there was a uh, I think it was a minister or uh, a deacon of a church or something, but he went to the man and, and he was trying to be spiritual and trying to sound holy, I guess. And he told him, you know, that, well, brother, God just needed another little angel and God knows best and said that man in tears looked up at that minister and he said, damn your God. Well, uh, I can't say that I blame him. You know, God is not bringing death and destruction to us. He's, you know, he sent his son, like the Bible says, Jesus said, I've come that you may have a life and have it more abundantly. Well, the good thing is, yes, when Jesus establishes his kingdom on earth here, there's no more Satan. And yes, we're going to have abundant life then. But what we fail to realize is, according to the word, we should be living in an abundant life now. Don't wait till Jesus returns. Don't wait to, well, if I can just make it to heaven, I know I'll be all right. No, be blessed now. We need to live a life of victory now so that we can just begin to maybe understand what it's going to be like in heaven. 
you know, we need to, to understand that when Jesus said that he's coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle, and without blemish, he's not coming back waiting on a church that's abused and bruised and hiding in a corner, and we've got somebody on the lookout going, uh, I think Jesus is coming. Get everybody ready. No, we're going to be a glorious church. Uh, something that's glorious is, is you know, it's when, when something is glorious, it catches your attention. You know, when, when you uh, see a beautiful sunset, somebody will say, wow, that's glorious or that's, that's amazing. Boy, it was so beautiful that it, whatever you was doing, that sunset caught your attention. Or if it's a sunrise in the morning at the beach and how the, the color, different colors just blend and, and gleam off of the water and you say, man, that is beautiful. It, it catches your attention. That's what a glorious church is. So in the here and now, God is calling us to be a glorious church. That's a church that catches people's attention. That's the kind of church Christ is coming back for. That's the kind of church and that's the kind of believer that I want to be, a glorious believer. You say, what if that's a believer that catches somebody else's attention? Because in all reality, in the actuality of things, I'm supposed to live my life in a way that causes a sinner to look at me and say, I want to be like that. I want what they have. That's what we are going into. So don't be listening to people that's talking about, yeah, we're going into doom and gloom and the church is done and the church is going to have to go into hiding and we just got to hide and just hope we make it till Jesus comes. No. No, our, our job is we're just getting started. We're just getting started to become that glorious church. And I believe you're going to begin to see that in the next coming months, in the next year, few years, you're going to begin to see that remnant church that's anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. You're going to see that church rise up and become glorious. It's going to become a voice again to be reckoned with, a voice that's going to have an authority to be able to lead our nations back to Jesus. Because I still believe that we are on the precipice, we're on the brink of one of the greatest revivals that this world has ever seen. And you say, yeah, but man, they're, they're pushing all this stuff and uh, you're having all these mass shootings and all this stuff is going on and it's just getting darker and darker. Yeah, but just because it's getting darker, don't ever let your thoughts go to the, the realm of Satan's power on this earth is greater than the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of God, because it never is. Because when we cry out to Jesus, when we trust Jesus, he is always there. The Holy Spirit is here with us and ever ready and present help in our time of trouble. So during these times, we should be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when he comes to get his people, we can take people with us and they won't have to be here and find themselves here in chapter 16 uh, with all these plagues and all these things going on on the earth because it's, it's not a time to be a, I would want to be here. I'm going to be in heaven. Hopefully you'll be in heaven with us. We'll have a ringside seat. We'll be able to watch it for a little bit uh, when we have a, a small break during our time of worship, getting to worship God, and we'll be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb, a very exciting time. But anyway, that's all we, we're going to go into tonight. I won't even get started into Chapter 17. I believe next week we'll uh, look at 17, maybe into 18, and this will be uh, more informational these chapters 17 and 18 are more informational. This will be talking about things that are going on again during the tribulation. And then when we get over into verse chapter 19 and verse 20, you're going to start seeing the church emerge again. And we're going to be talking about the reign of Christ for a thousand years, then moving into the millennial reign where we get to spend eternity with Christ. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a glorious time. And I believe 
you're going to be there with me. Those that we love are going to be there with us, our family. You know, if you have family members that are not believing in God right now, not living for Christ, begin to claim them, begin to believe God, begin to pray for them, that God would put ministering spirits and people around them that could minister the gospel to them and that he would open their hearts to receive their spiritual ears to hear the word of God so that they too can go on in the rapture and not have to be here during the time of tribulation. Well, we're cutting out just a little early today. Usually we hold you over, so I'm going to be nice and let you go about 10 minutes early tonight. But do us a favor. We appreciate, truly appreciate each and every one of you that tune in every week and watch the podcast. Um, you know, do us a favor, like this. Uh, if you hadn't already liked it, like our channel, follow us. And then you just take and share this on your social media platforms, whether it be uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, whatever. They tell us what new media platforms they got. But share it on that social media. Somebody you know needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and how easy it is it for you to become a preacher than just pushing a button and sharing it on your social media. And you'll be surprised who the gospel can reach just by you simply sharing it on your social media platform. Guys, we appreciate you again. We love you. We pray God's blessing and his favor and his hand be upon you as you go through life. And until we see you again next Wednesday night, we love you. Be blessed.